Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest instalment of the Gels Net Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans, and as always, all of our content is free. Just before we get started today, just um, a few of the standard procedures. Um, you can get us over at gelsnet.co.uk for our forum, lots of articles, and on Twitter over at gelsnet online, and obviously our podcast here as well. Um, and before introducing us as well, um, just a little mention of our sponsors, Forest Precision Engineering. They are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years. And we're honoured that they're backing your podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com. And you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, which is a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For more information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Yeah, I'm sure you all uh, wanted to uh, put you in, uh, in a much better mood tonight, but um, needs must. We're going to be here to try and cheer you up in this wonderful Sunday, aren't we? <laughs> Aye, right. Um, as we say, obviously here to review that abomination, let's face it, um, that happened at Ibrox earlier today. Um, but before we do that, I need to introduce my guest first up, Dougie. I mean... In terms of a positive note, Dougie, I thought the best part about today was your shades during the, the post-match reaction that you done. So I think you should have just stuck them back on the day just for, for community effect. How how you doing, all things considered? <laughs> do you know, i just seen someone in the comments say the same thing as well. I, I just wore my sunglasses. I, do you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a grumpy mood, mate. I'm in a grumpy mood. I think the very first comment in the thread just sums up perfectly from, from CGM55. Raging. Beyond raging. <laughs> You know, think, think yourself lucky. I've, this is the second time today I've got to talk about this in front of a camera, and um, I am no cheerier um, this evening as I was post-match. But um, I've had a chance to watch some of it back um, for my sins. So we'll, we'll get into the, the bones of it, but a very, very disappointing day at the office for Rangers. Aye, I think I've been a wee bit PG with that one now, Dougie. But, um, uh, David, look, see when... Whatever we do these, it, it seems to be always me that gets lumped with the, the Sunday flagship podcast after Celtic beat us in a big game. It's like, I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of doing these ones. I want a day one where we go out and, and battle them, but it's not happening. Um, seeing you outside the governing stand today after the game, don't think either of us were, were too happy, but how are you doing? All things considered as well, mate. Well, I as I've uh, both alluded to, no, no, no particularly clever, but uh, I've just been just been pouring on the over the folly online, Craig, to see what the trying to get temperature of the, the support after that. Um, yeah, another disjointed performance, but we'll get into the the whys and where fours of it in the in due course. But uh, as you, as you, you would expect, Craig. Yeah, no, very good. Stuggy, we'll kick off for you then. Um, as that guy said in the comments, Raging, that was that was just diabolical today. Sum up that match if you can. Drew, he's just made another brilliant comment and I'm, I'm going to keep on pulling it. Why doesn't CGM55 come on the show? Because he's, he's just made another absolutely brilliant one. It's, it's, you know, Frankie's put a poll out saying who's to blame for that today. Is it the, the manager, the board or the players? And I, I, I just think it's a combination of all three. So the CGM55. You know, it's not just one thing. It's not just one player. It's not just one... You know, it's not the system that was wrong today. It was just a combination of absolutely everything. I just feel, you know, we, we came into this season with such enthusiasm. And I think the reason why we came in with such enthusiasm is all the sound bites that were coming out from the club. 
You know, Michael Beale was talking about the amount of money that we were going to spend was bigger than any budget that a previous Rangers manager that he's seen um, would have available to him. Um, we, 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 what was the other, what was the other belters that we've we've heard? Um, there was a budget. Oh, there was excitement about the seeing the new players in, in the pre-season. There's a, a zip about pre-season. We've just not seen it. You know, we're match day four. We were in six points. I was at Rugby Park, first game of the season. The fans let the the the, the players, the board, the manager, everyone associated to Rangers know that Rugby Park was not acceptable. I, I, Craig, I, I said it in a post-match podcast um, after the game. I think we've all been to Rangers games at Ibrox where we've been absolutely pumped off the park by by much better teams than, than we've seen today. And we've had much less teams. You know, you think back to the Pedro era, the Mark Warburton era, all these things here when, you know, Celtic were beating us 5-0, 5-1. That atmosphere at full time today summed up absolutely perfectly for me. Um, it was toxic. You know, there was the booze. There was a lot of shouts around, this is your team, Michael Beale. There was a lot of shouts for him to leave. You know, there was a lot of shouts for him that, that he should no longer be Rangers manager. There was fighting amongst the Sands. You know, I'm sitting, in Brim- I'm, I'm sitting in Copeland and you're directly looking across at Brimland. There was literal fights amongst the Sands. Why the players thought of doing a lap of dishonour is absolutely beyond me after that abomination today. You know, I... I, I I'd done the post-match pod and I get in the car and I was, I was going up the road with my dad and, and my brother and we were talking about who comes out with pass marks. Did anybody come out with pass marks today? I don't think it's just the players that are to blame. The system that the manager played today. You know, one of the things I mentioned was when, when we beat Celtic 3-0 last season, right, that was almost the same system, right? It's It's... He's 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 tried to kind of come out and say that um, that that's the system that beat them last year. That's a team last year that that won under no pressure. You know, I, I listened to Big Alex um, podcast as well after the game, and and he he sums up brilliantly as well. This is a team that when the going gets tough, they don't win, and that's the criticism labelled at Michael Beale. He has not won a big must-win game yet, and that. That's just the biggest frustration for me right now. That and the fact that right now, you know, everyone's calling for his head, right? What do you do? There's no natural successor to Michael Beale. There's no director of football in place to identify a natural successor. The players that we have brought in have been brought in for Michael Beale's system. The system is a 4-4-2 diamond and he played a 4-3-3 today. When I seen the team sheet, I, I instantly wondered what we were doing in the middle of the park because... I worried that we were going to get overrun in the middle of the park and it, and it transpired that that was the case. He, he went for it with the, the three up front. But I, I, I just, I'm, I'm totally scunnered. You know, you can blame the manager around the system, but you look at some of the individual performances. I, I went on and on earlier on about, about Dessers as an example of, of one player. You know, Dessers just looked lost. It's the word I used earlier on. He, he found himself... Um, offside more than not when he was played in behind and he was onside miraculously he had no pace there was a couple that were, were kind of 60-40 in his favour to get the ball and, and his lack of pace doesn't help but when he when he has the opportunity to put something into it 
it's it's half it's half hearted. It, it really was. It, it came across very cowardly, and um, you know we 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 had a bit of banter before the game on the WhatsApp chat around what we would do for a guy like a Richard Goff or a Barry Ferguson. That's what we are lacking right now. I didn't see any leadership on that part today, and I didn't see any leadership off it either. Yeah, um, you've summed it up pretty well, did you? I mean. The thing is with these players, right, I actually, in, in terms of apportioning blame, for me, I would say it's maybe 70% manager, 30% players, because I genuinely don't think that we have went out this summer and signed bad players, because you look at it maybe under Warburton or under Pedro, we're going out and signing duds on free transfers, you know, a couple hundred grand or whatever. These are players that have been brought in for big money. Lammers and Dessels cost, what, about 8 million quid between them, you know, We've got players there like Carmel, like Raskin. You know, th- this is a decent group of players. These aren't bad players. I just think Michael Beale has not got a clue how to play them. And that's the most concerning part because he's the one that signed them to suit a specific system. Whatever that system's supposed to be, by the way, I've not got a clue. Can anyone can anyone try and tell me what Michael Beale's system is? Like the one that gets me right is we went and spent. Now Michael Beale sat at the press conference and he said some of the figures that are being quoted for the players that have been brought in are are massively inflated, right? But let's say if it's inflated by a million pound, because that that would that would be a massive inflation. Let's say we paid five million for Danilo. You still had a five million pound striker yeah. sitting on the bench. 100%. Where does he expect to bring in Danilo? You know where where does he fit into this system? Meanwhile, you know. I thought John Suter was poor today. I'll be honest, I thought he was poor at Eindhoven as well. He's a player that... I think John Suter gets a lot of credit because we brought him in for free. He's a Scotsman. He came from hearts. He's He's got heart. Um, he, he, he loves a challenge. I think John Suter, positionally, certainly for, for the Celtic goal today, and take nothing away from the finish, but he's playing to Yogo on. It's, it's him that's not kept the line. Um, some of that money that you've went and splashed on Danilo... It's no good in the bench. You know, I remember Stuart Weir making an absolutely brilliant comment when one of the guys said in the WhatsApp once that the bench looked very strong. I don't remember a bench winning your games. It's just starting a living. And we've went and splashed that money when everybody and and their granny could see that we needed a left centre back. There's an argument about left back. There's been a lot of argument around, you know, Borna not being a number one left back. I think the day proved that he's a number one left back. But my, my point without rambling, far too much because I did that in the, the post-match reaction video earlier on is you've got a limited budget available to you. We invested all that budget on our front line. The two questions I raise is um, why why buy Danilo when he's going to sit on the bench? Why not invest in a starting um, centre-back? And the one that was contentious pre-match and I stand by it right now is is our forward line so bearing in mind everything that Michael Beale said last year about the systems working, the way that our plane's working, we just don't have the, the front line to put the ball in the net. That's why we're going to focus on the front line. Is our front line much better than what it was last year? Absolutely not. David, um, you mentioned it just before we came on air. Out his depth, quite simply. And I look at Michael Beale and I tweeted about it earlier, you know, for me, I went in today with a clear view that if he was to lose that game today, no matter the circumstances, he wasn't going to have my support anymore. I couldn't continue to back this guy. And I can't now. 
Um, I've had my, my reservations about most of the last few weeks, but for me, it's just constant excuses that, that come out by, you know, not just him, but fans as well. It's like, for some reason, people seem to think that Michael Beale's been in this job since the start of the summer. He's no, He's been in it since last November. You know, he's had big games and, okay, us losing the league last year is not on him at all. Absolutely. But he still went out in that League Cup final, played the wrong start in 11. He done it again in the semi-final at Hamden against Celtic. Well, we're supposed to just brush those games off as nothing when Celtic go and win a treble. It's just excuses for me. It's the, you know, the Cup final against Celtic. I'll wait till he gets his own players in. Semi-final against Celtic. Ugh. Wait till he gets his own players in. Then when we get scurried off PSV, it's, ugh, it's all right. We'd rather win the Celtic game on Sunday. That's the biggest game. And then we go and get beat today as well. It's like, I don't, I think now, what one thing that I'm actually, I would say pleased, but a bit of a silver lining is it seems now that, you know, the vast, vast majority, and I'm talking 90 plus percent of our fans, are basically just saying that, you know, his time's up now. And for me, that's kind of the only positive, because that that's one thing that I was a wee bit scared of. A lot of people still might be trying to excuse it time and time again, but I think now people are just beginning to realise that, this guy is, like you said, David, just completely out of his depth. Well, you look at it, he's had what, nine competitive games, and you include the three pre-season friendlies. That's, that's 12 games this side's had. He still doesn't know his, his best starting 11. The starting 11 even at the day, I mean, how many his, his, his summer signings were included in that? Uh, I think he's, he's mentioned there at the top of the show who get past Marks. I would say Jack Butler get past Marks. That was the only player in the the Rangers side that would possibly get past marks. Um, aye, like without regurgitating what Dougie said, it's, you know, there, there isn't any inkling of what he's doing. Um, he seems to overcomplicate tactics. He, he seems to ask players to do jobs that they're patently incapable of doing. And uh, that all kind of feeds into the, the feeling that, you know, as games go by, you're, you're, you're seriously questioning whether the guy's cut out for the job. So um, I, I see him as a dead man walking, as I said before, we came on air. Uh, but I sack him right now, which the vast majority of the guys around me were, were, were saying that he needs to go. Um, do I necessarily subscribe to that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't sack him just now because four points isn't the answer moving over the league, but it's a case of how long do you give him before that gap does become insurmountable. Uh, I rewind back 12 months, Craig, uh, and I think back to uh, in the aftermath of um, the game at Parkhead and then subsequent to that, the game in, in Amsterdam. And, and, you know, we all had a, an inkling that, you know, maybe Gio wasn't there for the long term and all we were doing was just procrastinating and, and delaying inevitable. So I think Michael... At this juncture, his tenure very much falls into that bracket. Um, are the board going to be ruthless? That's the big $64,000 question, mate. Uh, only time will tell. But we're the international break now, so, you know, there might be you know a lot going on behind the scenes as we are currently talking, so uh, we'll find it in due course, mate. Well, but I swear, last two managers left during an international break, so um, you never know. But... And also, this is I don't think anything will happen. I think he'll, he'll plod along for, for the next wee while. I think when you look at it, you know, you look at the next set of fixtures, there's no game in there when you think, or, oh, you know, it's kind of like a Celtic game or whatever, where it's like a game that 
if he won that, would maybe get the fans back on side. He's at the point now where he's probably in the eyes of the board. If you drop any more points, lose any more ground in Celtic, that's you. See, when you get to that point with somebody, you're as well just cutting your, your losses at that point because you're right, David, four points at this stage of the season. It's not insurmountable. However, in my opinion, it's insurmountable under Michael Beale because how long before that four points turns into six points to eight points to 11 points? And the worst part about this all is that Celtic team are absolutely rubbish. And this isn't me coming across as, you know, bitter or whatever. They are. The fans say that. You know, the way that the fans have, you know, approached this season under Brendan Rodgers, you know, most of them didn't want him to come back. Celtic were in, okay, they just won a treble. They were in a position of strength, but there wasn't a good feeling around the club. And Colin hit the nail on the head after the Comarno game a few weeks ago where he went, we had a chance to put them under immediate pressure in that game. And we've seen what happened when they get beat to Comarno. We've seen the way the fans reacted. We've seen how they reacted after the drop points with St Johnston. So we all know that how you know bad Rangers fans have you know reacted today and fair enough, but if we went and won that game today, maybe won it comfortably, can you imagine the eruptions that would have happened under the Celtic fans? There's every chance that if we won that game today, Brendan Rodgers would be in the exact same position as Michael Beale. And we have just switched that narrative 180. And it's just something that for me, it's it's unforgivable. And it's something that I don't know if Michael Beale you know, understands it. It's like you've got a chance there to go into an opponent to basically give them a knockout blow. And not only does he, he feel, he, he feels miserably at it. And it's just, you're just absolutely coming at it, aren't you? thinking it's, you're speechless at times because, you know, as I say, you've got an opportunity there. And they, they would have had a complete and utter meltdown. But it, again, it's for 20 and it's, it's us that's doing it. Well, you see the way they reacted when they won, you know, when the final whistle went, they, they, they knew they'd, they'd get a Bit of dodging, but having said that, if if uh, Kyogo was top top class, you know, oh, he would have had a hat trick. Ah, he would have scored. You know, certainly two goals, uh, and and Rangers would have been far worse off. Ah, it's, it's it's difficult to see uh, where they go for here. I mean, he's he's got a job on. Um, I, I, I seriously question whether the board have got the appetite for. It. I mean, curiously. Um, Obviously, the, the, the Europa League package uh, uptake is, is due to kick in tomorrow for the season ticket holders that are known the CCS. So it may well be, uh, you know, for, for a number of sizable number of fans decide not to, not to buy the package, um, even allowing for the fact that the, the way the payment structure this season that they've been taking in instalments, it may well be that, you know, they, they look at that and they may well be forced to act. I'm not saying that necessarily be the case, but, but you never know. Stranger things have happened, and uh, aye, just the whole the whole thing just looks disjointed. I don't think the, the team looks fat. I don't know what you you lads think about how the, the, the sharpness that they look, or that they, they seem to not have. Um, it's apparent to me, and then you're, 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 some of the, the, the tactical formations and the, what he, I would imagine, purports to see is, is fluidity amongst you know. Uh, Using you know modern balance with in transition and all that, it's just it looks as though players don't know what they're doing. They're still in over reliance on a, a guy that's the wrong side of thirty driving the team forward. And James Tavernier, you've got a guy like Serial Dessers who looks as if he just comes just to a ball. Um, he's patently unfit. 
I think Connor Goldson, painting on fit. Look at uh, Todd Cantwell can move from one position to the other, game on game. Doesn't he have any continuity, know what his, his job is. You could ask him for us in a similar bracket. And then, then you get to the to the, the stage where you've got a guy who's purportedly cost their six million pound on a five year contract. Can he make the team? Then it's you're, you're wondering what's going on. What's going on? I, I, I seriously question. I looked on at the game on Wednesday night, and uh, obviously the, the same thing kept coming back into my mind. It's like, what have they been doing in training all summer? I know, and that that's one of the worst things as well. Yeah, you know, you, you can't excuse it because of the the fees that have been spent on these players. Um, David mentioned the Europa League package I and mean, we got an email about an hour after the game finished telling us about about the 40 quid that's coming out of your bank account in like two days' time for the Betis game. No doubt they'll be calling it a glamour tie because he's going out place for them. It's like, read the room, man. Come on. It's like, and I understand, like, I don't I don't want to be like too, like, sweating the small stuff and all that, right? But I know obviously the way that these mass emails work, somebody had obviously... That had been planned to be sent out to at that specific time anyway, automatically. It's not as if somebody just like pushed a button and went, oh, I'm going to wind everybody up. But come on, it's like the draw was made on Friday. The fixtures were announced on the Saturday morning. It's like you knew going into the game that if we lost that today, the manager would have been under pressure. So kind of maybe read the room a wee bit and maybe don't send it until Monday. Like just ridiculous. And it just it's just another example of like it seems like arrogance and Dougie, I'm, I'm going to come into this sort of next point about what I perceive to be arrogance and that is in both the manager and the captain and we mentioned it before we came on in terms of the demeanours at, at press conferences and whatnot. obviously you were there today, I've been to a fair few with Michael Beale pains me to say it right but I'm now genuinely seeing it's like the day or two before a game it's like Michael Beale press conference I'm not watching it anymore because I genuinely just can't be bothered because you know exactly what he's going to say. You know all the buzzwords that he's going to have. Um, it's just the same stuff every time. And it's like, the guy just seems devoid of showing passion. And I don't doubt that he is passionate, but, you know, it's like, sure, I mean, that game today after that, he'd be raging. Like you mentioned Stephen Gerrard, he'd be absolutely apoplectic. Now, Gio, you know, a lot of people slagged him for the way that he conducted himself in press conferences, but I can tell you something, he was certainly, he, he, he was passionate at times when he had to be passionate. I can remember the times we've, we've been scurried at Celtic Park and he's absolutely raging that, you know, individual players for not doing their job. You don't see Michael Beale doing that. Um, and he kind of seemed to lay the blame on the players today a wee bit in his press conference with the whole, like, um, you know, it's up to them to go out and do a job and stuff like that. And I'm kind of like, well, it's up to you to set the team up properly. And you seem completely incapable of doing that. So you've obviously got him doing that. Then you've got James Tavernier as well. And I mean, I'm actually starting to feel a wee bit sorry for the guy now because every time we lose a big game, it's always him that gets put up in front of the media. Because if he doesn't, he's going to be lambasted by the fans as if to say, well, if he's a captain, he should be coming out and facing the media. But again, it's like Bill. He says the same stuff time and time and time and time again. James Tavernier's I'm disappointed is Unai Emery's good evening, right? He says it all the time. And it's like, you know, you know he's gonna say it. And it's just like in the one earlier when I can't remember who asked him about his performances, do you think your performances have been good this season? One word answer, yeah. Move on to the next question. That that sort of arrogance is something that I don't like to see. 
And I asked Michael B. our question after the Levy game. I just said to him, would he make a James Tavenier's performances this, this season so far? Turned around very blunt. Yeah, not not a problem with, with Tav's performances whatsoever. He's been fine. No problem. Move on. And it's like, it, it seems that you cannot question this guy's ability or his captaincy because people aren't even questioning his captaincy to the manager, to be fair. They're only asking about his performances here. And the answers that you're getting back are one-worded. They seem very arrogant. And it's just, for me, it's not the right demeanour for either a Rangers manager or a Rangers captain to have. I think, myself included, every Rangers fan is just sick and tired of the same sound bites that we've heard so often. I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated, I'd like to apologise to supporters. We want to hear tangible, this is what we are going to do about what went wrong today? This is this is physically what we are going to do to put this right, um, and, and and that's the bit that's just missing for me. The demeanour wise, uh, I asked Orhan um, line and to say to see when you've uh, managed a and it's just a game managing a lost like it's just a it's in the between Rogers and Alamigret. He's made James. Just, uh, okay, sorry to cut you off track there, but you're sounding like a Dalek now, David. Uh, can you hear him properly? It's oh, I've got the same, same, same issue with Dougie's feed. All right, no, I was just wondering if it was me. I, you, you sound like a Dalek. <laughs> I, we can, but it's still a wee bit thing, man. So it's not, it's not great for me because uh, oh, that's fine, right? That's better, you, better, you Continue. continue. No, I was the just, Empire Strikes Back. You know, it pains me to say this, but also being in the press conference, it's great to to see firsthand the body language more than anything of of, of the different attendees. Celtic also had Brendan Rodgers and their captain Callum McGregor. We had our manager and captain in there, and there's just a different demeanour. And it's easy to 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 compare it when one's won and one's lost. But they've just felt a more experience in Brendan Rodgers' responses. You know, it's funny when you, you mentioned about um, the comparisons between Michael Bielan and his predecessors, for example. Everyone got sick of listening to Gio, to be honest. He became quite boring in his press conferences. And when Michael Beal came in, a lot of people were refreshed by his honesty. That honesty is getting Michael Beale tied up in knots. No, Dougie, I, I, I'm getting to the point now where I actually think it's not honesty anymore with him. I think it's an experience. I think, you know, David used the phrase earlier on, he's out of his depth. I think, I think that's what it is. I think he's out of his depth. I think it's unfortunately as simple as that for me. Um, when, he's, when he's asked questions, I, I think, you know, Brendan Rodgers was quite thoughtful in his responses, dare I say, he came across well. You know, when you hear Brendan Rodgers, he spoke about the old formalitation, what he loves about the fixture, how he he thinks that it, it, it doesn't have the same gravitas when you don't have both sets of supporters in there. His his responses were very measured. Michael Beale, you know, I listened to Alex's post-match press conference, post-match reaction video, sorry, pre-match reaction video, one of them, 
Um, and he was he was talking about Bona, Michael Beale's comments about Borna Barisic, for example. You know, on Friday, Michael Beale said that Borna Barisic was going to be fit. Is that main games or is he is he is he tying himself up in knots again? I just don't know how he's responding to some of these questions. And then, and then you get your captain. I thought Callum McGregor came across very well. What I heard from Callum McGregor in the press conference was what Callum McGregor has done to prepare Celtic for today's game about pulling the younger players aside like Liam Scales, preparing them for what they're about to expect, firing up the new players, the young players around the siege mentality of this stadium is going to hate you. We want to shut that stadium up. And they very much, you know, I've read the Alex Ferguson book and, and that's all about siege mentality. That was a message coming from Callum McGregor around his role, what he is doing to fire up and prepare these players. When it was James Tavernier, there was a, don't get me wrong, he's going to be disappointed. Disappointed, So he is sitting um, quite dour-faced, naturally, as you would expect. But it is, it's all those generic sound bites, the frustration, the disappointment, the apologies. I, I want to hear, we, we've got two weeks now um, of international break. I want to hear exactly what we are going to do in that two weeks. I don't want to hear the generic, we'll work hard. I want to hear exactly what we are going to do in that two weeks. I want to hear how the players are going to learn from this and how we are going to respond to this. Because see as things stand right now, how many Rangers supporters right now are sitting listening to this podcast or you know, reflecting on today's performance and thinking... Do you know what? I still believe in this team. I still think that this team right now has the has the players, has the system, has the mentality to really respond from this. Are we all sitting here confident right now that they're going to be in pre in, in the in the international break right now, working their socks off, working hard on the system, improving on the deficiencies, ready to bounce back their victory against St Johnston up in Perth? I'm Pretty, pretty underwhelmed. Got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting here right now with any levels of confidence that we are going to come back absolutely flying after the international break. We're not, we're not going to do it under this manager, and, and that's the problem. Now he's David Jew said the uh, dead man walking. Bill's now at the point of no return, as far as I'm concerned. For me personally, he can't win me back. He can't do it. Um, so, and I'm actually, I'd like to think of myself quite a positive person in terms of. I like to back managers right up until the bitter, bitter, bitter end. And even when they are getting sacked, I still kind of go, oh, maybe the players could have done a wee bit better. I always try and excuse them because I understand how difficult it must be to be a manager, especially a Rangers. But th- there comes a point where you just need to realise, like, this isn't working. Like, Tavernier, you know, I've never really questioned Tavernier's captaincy before because I kind of felt in the past that people that were doing it or maybe just jumping on a bandwagon and whatnot. But for whatever reason this summer and along the bill, I've kind of changed my, my dynamics a wee bit in terms of questioning a bit more. And look, it was like he got slated after the Kilmarnock game, Tavernier. He's getting slated after this game today. Let's be honest, right? It wasn't Tav's fault that we could beat the day on his own. It wasn't his fault that we could beat Kilmarnock. But at the end of the day, you are the captain of Rangers, right? Regardless of whether it's your individual personal fault or no, you're still going to get blamed for these things and you've just got to take it. You've just got to accept it. That That's it in a nutshell. Now, James Tavernier has been Rangers captain officially for the last 
This is his sixth season. He's won two trophies. Got us to a Europa League final. Um, you know, it gets to a point where James Tavernier has done a lot for us, and I'm not sitting here saying that he should be sold, because I still think he can play an important part in the team, but you kind of need to look at going, well, look at the common denominator here. He's been here for six years, he's been captain for six years, and we've won pretty much nothing. Like, whether that's his personal fault or not, that's a different thing. But you need to look at the common denominators here. You need to start looking within sometimes and thinking, well, do you know what, maybe it's time to have a wee change here. Craig, on, on the subject of trophies, I think the, the patience is wearing thin amongst the Rangers support there's right no, now. Um, there's no patience left. There's none whatsoever. Well, the, 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 one of the key reasons for that, though, is because Celtic are fast approaching of our trophy hall. Mm. A trophy hall that every single Rangers supporter is proud that we have, whether it be our, our league titles or our, 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 you know, our overall trophy count. You know, I, I think we're sitting right now that Celtic are two leagues behind us and one trophy overall behind us. And, and you look at the trophies that we've got available to us, the competitions we've got available to us, Celtic are out of the League Cup. The League Cup is a must-win trophy for Michael Beale and for this Rangers Football Club. But that cannot be the only trophy that we win this season. If we win the League Cup and only the, the League Cup this season, that's a failure. Oh, 100%. But... Um... Let's hope that Michael Bell isn't in charge by the time we hopefully hopefully get to Hamden later on in the year. But um, David, um, obviously a wee bit on the actual game itself, because we've, we've, we've not really discussed the game, I've just discussed everything else. I mean, look, we, we actually started quite bright, obviously Dessers gets in, he plays a good ball to Matondo, he has miles offside. We obviously need to talk about this, this far decision now. I'm in the, the top left of the governor rear. When Dessers made that challenge... Goes in. Ruth, I thought, done really well to finish it because I thought Dessers actually overran it a wee bit. Um, but Ruth done well to, to find the net um, before going mental. I was a wee bit more relaxed because I knew he came through the back of him. And with those ones from my angle, I was kind of just like, I don't know if he's fouled him or not. But all I know is he's came through the back of him. Now, when you look back at the replays, it's obviously went to VAR. It's never a foul in a million years. Um, Lager Bielk is actually the one that hits the roof and it actually kind of reminded me of the Dortmund game a couple of years ago where Ryan Kent scored when Morelos came in on the back of Emre Can I think it was won the ball and then um, the goal wasn't substantially um, given because of a foul and it, it seems actually now I've not actually watched the VAR element of this back in terms of what the referee, referee looked at but during that Dortmund game we were given a different angle on the telly as to what the referee was given in the VAR monitor and it's quite possible that that happened again today so I do support VAR I think it is good but why is the referee being subject to different images than what fans are at home to me it doesn't make any sense and one thing that really wound me up as well is that it was a quick decision from Don Robertson he went over at the monitor I had one look at it about seven Celtic players surrounding him as you do and then he gives that decision now we're no Celtic fans here so we're not going to blame a, a VAR decision on, on the fact that we get beat today it's obviously we're the reason that we get beat today but you know in these moments you need you need decisions like that to go for you and ironically since VARs came into the old firm there's been two decisions both of them have went against Rangers 
the Morelos one in March and this one today, and both of them were, were stonewall goals. Oh, well, it's just the, the same old, same old. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was a, a foul in uh, real time at the game. So, like you, I've not watched it back. Uh, I couldn't be bothered watching it back. Um, so, whether that's a curated, um, you know, angle that, that Don Robertson's getting in order to come to a conclusion, I don't know. So, I mean, this is pointless. But I, I, I digress slightly. I might go back to James Tavernier, but you were asking me before. I think a lot of things that we tell James Tavernier case. In terms of respect for Rangers support or increased respect for Rangers support, as he's, he's been here long enough now to know that you've been embarrassed in nine twelve, and you don't do laps on and clap the fans. You know, they should have, somebody should have the wherewithal within that that team of people at the touchline and, and the players on the park to get players off the park sharpish. You know, it's all very well you can you can clap the fans, but just get off the get off the field quickly. Hey. You know, to get back to the SFA handbook, and uh, it's like, as you said, Craig, you know, we, we, we were the issue the day, the manager, the players, uh, questionable signings, uh, you know, whether they're going up to speed for such a, a big week, you know, a defining week in the season, even this early, isn't it? And yet again, we've, we've, uh, we've come up short, but, you know, you look at the goals we lost, we, we, we keep losing the same types of goals. It's the same personnel that are shutting the goals. And it's not just a, a thing that's been happening for six months, a season here, a season there. It's been happening for five years. So you mentioned common denominators. You know, there's got to be some hard questions asked. And I would say it's, they need to be asked in the, in the boardroom, certainly before the dressing room. David, I think, so, okay, just, just a quick point, right, because... I think that's what makes Rangers fans brilliant, right? Is um, we always look at ourselves. We look internally as to to what went wrong, and I think everyone knows that the performance today wasn't good enough. But officials change games, and whilst you you've kind of spoken about the decision and your eyes being wrong when you see it in real time, there's a number of decisions that the referees and the officials got wrong today, and dare I say if. If those were given in our favour, the outcome would have been different. You know, you look at that that offside, the um, the roof goal. It's it's as you said, Craig, reminiscent of the, the Dortmund game. You know, for me, Dessers has got in ahead of Lagerby Elk, and, and Lagerby Elk's taken him out. But CGM fifty five with another belter of a comment, though, which I completely agree with, is VAR is in there to overrule where it's not clear and obvious. You know, it should be giving the referee something that's very clear to overrule. I'm sorry, even if he thinks that Dessert has given him a wee nudge, that's not a clear decision. That's not something that's clear that should overrule the decision made by the referee who's sitting looking at it in real time. But as I said, it's not the only decision. You know, fast forward to the second half, Maeda barges into Cantwell in, in, in the penalty box. Now, I'm shouting for a penalty. You watch it back, it's fairly soft, but Maeda gets away with murder every single game against us. Maeda's looking at Cantwell the whole time. He is not concentrating on the ball. If the bill from Dessers on Lagerby Elk is enough to warrant chopping off a goal, the Maeda challenge on Cantwell should be a penalty then, by the exact same logic. But another thing that, that was apparently brought in was... Referees and officials were looking for pulls in the box. Every single time we had a corner, 
the Celtic players were grabbing us and dragging us to the floor. There was one in particular where Conor Goldson was literally wrestled to the ground. But the thing is, nobody's shouting for it. You know, the fans are shouting for it, right? But where's the noise coming from the players and the management? You know, see when Cantwell goes down, Cantwell's getting treatment. The Rangers players all retreat into their own half. Where's the Rangers players in at the referee's ear, biting his ear off, grabbing the ball, putting it in the penalty spot and demanding that that, that, that decision goes in our favour? And that's the point I made earlier on about leaders and winners. You know, we spoke about Richard Goff, Barry Ferguson. Can you imagine you had a Richard Goff or a Barry Ferguson on that pitch today when those kind of decisions are just constantly going against you? They'd be in at the, the referee's ear the whole game, putting him under the pressure that made him know that he's making bad decisions. We just seem to let them away with it because we're nice. We're such a nice team. We're full of too many nice guys. We need to be we need to be more ruthless. If we want to win trophies, we need to start being more ruthless. And I, I just didn't see it today. I didn't see it from the system. I didn't see it from the players. I didn't see it from the manager. I didn't see a, a, a team that would win at all costs. You know, Michael Beale said in his post-match press conference eventually that it's the result that matters. It's not the performance, it's the result that matters. I see nothing today from a team that was desperate for us to win that game. I mean, obviously you're, you're right and he's right about the result, but it's the performances as well. It's like people have made, for whatever wacky reason, comparisons to Ange Postacoglu a couple of years ago, you know, because like I've said, for some reason, people seem to think that Michael Beale got the job in July. Um, but, you know, Postacoglu lost his first old firm game at Ibrox. But, you know, whenever I went and battled Celtic, Celtic put in a decent performance. You could see what Postacoglu was trying to do. If we went out there today with a new team and stuff like that, and for, for the first nine games of the season anyway, if we had the same results, right, but we had a clear style, a clear identity, Yes, I would be apoplectic and raging because of the points total and we knocked out the Champions League and all that, right? But at least you would be able to see what the manager was trying to do and you could kind of cling on to that as your sort of last part of hope. But you can't do that because you look at it and, like I say, I'm just, I'm just confused. I don't know what he's trying to do. I think the guy... I hate to say it, but he's coming across as a bit of an egomaniac. You look at the stuff with Haji. Um, Haji comes out and speaks up against him, and within a week he's gone. Now, people can have their arguments about whether they think Haji's good enough, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I don't think Haji done anything wrong in his press conference. He came out, he said he wanted to play every week. Um, he said he was fully fit. And then within a week, he's gone. You can't tell me that that's no, that's no related. Um so it's just Craig, your, your, your point on the comparison between Michael Beale and Ange Postacoglu is beautifully summed up for me. You know, Ange Postacoglu might have won, uh, might have lost that first old firm game, but all the Celtic fans had bought into what he was trying to do. They could see what he was trying. He had a system. He was honouring that system. It was, it was looking like it was starting to click, but the players were just still learning it. See, see when you're watching our system right now, you know, you've said it yourself, I, I, I literally can't sit here as a supposed expert on a podcast and break down our system. I, I can't tell you what it is because we're reverting to long balls. Long balls to a guy like Dessels that cannot keep a ball. He can't head a ball, he can't chest a ball. But one of the things that one of my mates said earlier on to me is Michael Beale changes his starting 11 that much. He changes his front line that much. 
Is that because, one, he's trying to counter um, the opposition tactics, or is it, two, he doesn't know his best team? Either way, that's what does not give fans belief. Because when Ange Postecoglou was putting out that same team, the fans could see that it was only a matter of time before they gelled. Our team is not going to gel if you keep changing our front three. How many different forward lines have we seen this season? And you know, I, I seen a comment after the game, and I, it's a little bit harsh on Matondo, right? Because Matondo has been good right now, right? But the comment is, is it that we've lowered our expectations this season? So, so much so that we're looking at Rabbi Matondo as this rejuvenated saviour. You know, Matondo didn't have a particularly good game today, to be honest. I wouldn't have subbed him. And I think the fans made it very clear when, when the subs were announced right. that they wouldn't have subbed him. There was there was somebody on that pitch that should have been subbed a long time before them. Well, this is another thing, David, like the subs. Um, I knew it had, I mean, crying out for changes at half time today, crying out for changes at half time on Wednesday. And you know that he's not going to do it. He, Michael Beale seems to like stick with the same players, the same system until it gets to a point where it's not even that he realises that it's not working, it's when they've probably just ran out of steam and ran out of energy, where he goes, right, okay, we'll just swap it, and who would be blamed for doing that a lot during his Rangers tenure? Mark Warburton. It was a classic Mark Warburton today, 60 minutes, bring on Jason Holt, Alan, Harry Forrest or whoever, right? But it was obviously, the day it was bring on Lammers and Danilo and stuff like that. And even when he does make that first change, you've got right, he's making a change fair enough. Number one, he's sticking to the same system, which clearly isn't working. And number two, he's keeping on the worst player on the park. And then I actually felt bad for Kamal Roof because when he eventually did get subbed off, the fans were booing, and they were only booing Kamal Roof. They were booing the fact that it wasn't Edessas that was coming off. And it's just like, for me, he just seems too, too stuck in his ways. He makes things too complicated. And he's, he's too proud to actually know when he's wrong and change things. That's no good traits to have in any manager, never mind a Rangers manager. Guys in the past, I mean, Dick Advocate hooking Fernando Rickson after, what, 15 minutes at Parkhead, the 6-2 game. He just realises he's no doing it. Just get him off. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to overcomplicate things. Um, I just I just don't understand why he just con- continues to persist, you know, with these same players for so long without making a change. And then... When he does eventually make the changes, it's too late, and you're then chasing a draw instead of going for a win. Oh, it's just the coaching manual 101 stuff, isn't it? I mean, you see, you look, you look at it, look, look, most things in life is it, complex and multi layered, and you need to get through the whys and wherefores of it. He's obviously got a philosophy, he wants to stick to it, he's trying to inculcate it into his players. That's all well and good. As you're saying, quite rightly, it's not working. What does he do? Um, he wouldn't be the first manager. And he wouldn't be, strangely enough, there have been more quoted managers adhered to changes at 60, 63 minutes. Walter Smith would be one of them, his second tenure. Uh, you mentioned that advocate. I can remember that advocate uh, subbing Craig Moore early on in his tenure before he, he flogged him to Crystal Palace, which I've, you know, I'd question, uh, you know, how, yeah, how productive or counterproductive that type of mentality is in terms of deflating a player's confidence. I'm no suggesting for a second that Mike Beal, uh, Michael Beal do things like that, but he's going to be more proactive. 
But I come back to what I, a point I alluded to earlier on. You look at Sifuentes. I mean, one of his signings that he, he made, he's, he's made noises about, about his qualities and, and his press conferences. So I'm led to believe. I, I, I don't watch his press conferences. I've not watched his press conferences since a couple after he was he was unveiled back in November last year. Um, the fact that Tom Lawrence, a guy that's been out for as long as he has, comes onto the pitch ahead of Sifuentes, speaks volumes. Um, and as you've alluded to, you know the, the, the system and the, the kind of the transitions and players doing different jobs. You know, he's overcomplicating things. The players are incapable of, you know, meeting the, de- the demands that he seems to be placing on them in terms of the, this kind of, you know, fluidity of tactic, for want of a better phrase. And uh, it's just, he needs to get back to basics. If, if he's got any, any notions of self-preservation in terms of longevity in this Rangers job, he'll get back to basics in the next game against St. Johnston and McDermott Park. But, whether he makes it that far is, you know, up for debate. Um, aye, it's the, the whole the whole thing. I mean, Dejan Sterling acquitted himself quite well playing out of position, but then a guy who we've been led to believe hasn't been, you know, has been struggling with fitness comes on, a left-sided player. Whether he was only fit for a quarter an hour or not, I mean, this comes on, Red Van Yilmaz, who... Divides opinion amongst the support. A lot of, a lot of fans were quite gladly seen the vacuum when the transfer window closed the other night. Uh, it's just, it's, he's going to need to get back to basics. He's going to need to settle on a starting 11. He's going to need to try and simplify his message to the players and give them a chance. But you look at stuff like John Suter's uh, carrying the ball out of defence. The day he did the same thing in Eindhoven the other night, he got caught in the ball. Same thing happened again, caught in the ball. You know, Celtic didn't take advantage of it on that occasion, but that's done to the manager. That's the type of stuff that should be eradicated for players play. But you know, we've mentioned guys like uh, like Tavernier. He's an obvious target because he's he's defensive limitations. We look at Connor Goldson. Uh, Connor's no the pre-season. He's came back for a serious injury. Clearly doesn't look fit. His confidence doesn't look all that it should be. Uh, you can understand that given his, his culpability in the, the shot and own goal the other night. Um, I, I just think that if, if Michael's got any sense, he'll get back to the basics and he'll keep it simple. But I've got a funny feeling that he's, uh, he's no bill that way, Craig. Yep, I can't really disagree with you on that one. Dougie, Lastly, I just wanted to talk about the recruitment. We, we touched on it earlier, but I think up front's a real, a real, real, real concern. And I know, I mean, it's bad. To, you know, you're a bad team when you can't defend and you can't attack, right? <laughs> you know, you're a bad team. But, you know, people, rightly or wrongly, you know, with a slag Stakala, slag Cholak, the end of the day, they were two guys that got your numbers that got your goals. We've sold them for a combined five to six million, maybe, and we've spent eight million quid on Lammers and Dessers. Now, Lammers and Dessers were guys that Michael Beale has mentioned in the past as being players that he's looked at in his time before at Rangers and thought, oh, I'd like them, but we maybe couldn't quite afford them. First of all, 
I don't understand this whole thing of going in for a player because you liked him back in like 2018. That's crazy if that's how you're recruiting players, in my opinion, because you need to be recruiting them based on what they've done recently. And we know, looking at Lammers and Dessers at their last clubs, they've done nothing. Um, you can blame it on a number of factors, but that's just the facts of the matter. They didn't do anything. And at the end of the day, we've spent two million net on these two guys to replace Cholak and Sakala, pretty much. But I suppose Lammers is more of a Tillman replacement, but, you know, we don't want to dwell on that too much. But, you know, six million quid brought in, eight million quid going out, two million quid to basically get less goals and less goal contributions. You don't need to be Carol Vorderman to work out that that's a pretty bad deal that we're getting. Let's start with positive. I think we signed a good goalie. I will. I, think, I suppose what one, one out of nine isn't bad. Well, that's where I was going with this one, Craig. <laughs> I think I think our goalie looks good. I'd argue the other eight at this moment in time don't improve our starting eleven. At a time when you knew you were losing your entire front three, and you knew already we needed a, a centre-back, potentially a left-back and a centre-mid. So to be sitting here right now, and, and you know, there's, there's so many criticisms I've got right now. You, you mentioned the net £2 million. You know, it's, it's hugely coincidental when the season ticket books were, were up for renewal. We were told that this was going to be the biggest transfer budget that the manager would, would see. Two million net isn't the biggest transfer budget that a manager's going to see, and it's it's not the board backing Michael Beale. You know, I hate to compare this to Celtic. I've I've done it in a previous pod, and I, I sometimes hate doing it. But but Celtic are off the back of winning a treble, right? We were promised this big, massive squad overhaul. Do you know, there's only three. Is it three or four? I think maybe four. There's only four teams in the Scottish Premiership that have signed less players than Rangers. And that includes Celtic. Celtic, have, Celtic having won a treble, signed 10 players. Now, we gross spent about £12-£13 million pound on players. Granted, they've got the Jota money, but they've spent £25 million on 10 players. And Celtic fans are talking about them being weaker because they don't have somebody of, of Jota's quality in, in their starting eleven. But that's what we're contending with. We're contending with Celtic. You know, they, they were also very lucky to bring in the, the money for, for Jota. I just look at it and I think we've been we've been sold a, a dud here in terms of all the noises coming out from the club. If we really, really wanted to compete with Celtic, we needed to spend money. You know, there was an opportunity to get Champions League qualification. There's an opportunity, by the way, to go far in Europe. When you look at that draw, third place should be the absolutely bare minimum that we get from, from that group in the Europa League, which takes us into the conference. Post-Christmas European football is definitely achievable. These things all bring you in money. And I just look at it and I think this was our opportunity to go for the jugular this year. You know, Celtic are going through a transformation themselves, new manager coming in, slow start for Brendan Rodgers until, until today. If we started fast, and we, we, if we strengthened and we started fast, it puts them in the back foot. If we go far in Europe, it brings in more money. I just think we have gone for the safe option. I think Michael Beale was a safe option because he was a man that some of the, the board members knew. I think allowing Michael Beale to sign his own players, you know, you mentioned you know picking out guys that, that were on our list several years ago. That seems to be our transfer strategy right now. There's, there's good players to be had around the world. You know, I, I sat and watched the, the hacking Aberdeen game and the boys said Beak tore Aberdeen apart 
and he signed for AZ, AZ Alkmaar for €4 million. Euros. These boys exist. We just need a proper scouting system, a proper recruitment team. And unfortunately, I, I look at it right now and I think, we don't have a director of football in place. I think I might have mentioned it already in the pod in one of my, my rants. You know, we're allowing Michael Beale to pick his players. So when we're talking about replacing Michael Beale, somebody has to come in and work with the guys that he has identified for the system that he is playing. When we had Ross Wilson, and all the noise that we were hearing was around continuity. We are going to play the Rangers way so that if we change our manager, a new manager comes in and we've got the players that plays that system. If a new manager comes in, they're going to want to change it. We only have Matondo and Sima to play out wide with pace. You know, Michael Beale spoke about previously, guys like Lawrence can play out wide. Roof can play out wide as a kind of right inside forward. If a new manager comes in and wants to play 4-3-3 with proper wingers, we don't have proper wingers. And this is where all the problems stem for me right now, is I just think the structure right now in our football department seems broken. It's allowing the manager to go and pick his players. It's, it's, it's all very well and good when he's got this big list of players that that he has seen and he wants to bring in who you know, could have been a, a hidden gem that he's heard of before. I'm just not seeing it right now in some of these guys. And I, I said earlier on, I don't want to write anyone off, but right now it's not looking good for some of these guys. And um, they, you know, we, we spoke about how does Michael Beale come back from this. There's an argument the players need to come back from this as well. And I don't like the sound bites. We've heard it so often from, from our manager and our captain. But they need to be back playing games. It's a, it's a shame we're getting an international break right now because it's almost one of those ones that you just want to get back in the pitch and, and start to, to, to prove yourself. We need games. In two weeks' time, we need these games to come and we need these players to come out and, and really show us supporters that they want to play for Rangers and they are good enough to play for Rangers. Yeah. I mean, just as well finishing up there a poll that we've put in the comments there quite simply we just asked the manager 251 votes 70% yes 30% no I mean it's a it's a small sample size but I think that kind of tells you the, the direction that people are heading in I've seen a lot of worse ones against Michael Beale um, on Twitter and stuff like that as well so I actually think the people in the comments are there being quite quite lenient towards them compared to a lot of places that I've seen. Um yeah, I mean look guys, on, on the on the post note are mixed away games against St Johnston, so that's like the only away game you're gonna get a ticket for. So at least at least you can enjoy a Majors do up in Perfect McDermott Park. But um, now we'll we'll finish up there. Um obviously we've taken up a lot of people's time tonight being very, very negative as you as you do. Obviously we're live on YouTube tonight, people, um if you've just joined us um in the last few moments or at any time throughout the podcast, you can of course rewind it um from the beginning. Um and it'll be on um YouTube straight away as well with uh, the thing in full and uh, tomorrow on all your usual podcast platform providers like Spotify and so on and so forth. Um, next week, um, it's obviously an international break, and we're going to have Brian Ossian on for the International Week pod, um, which is great for those of you that are interested in international football. If you're into the Scotland national team, fair, fair does, you know. I'm not here to judge people. Um, all that's left for me to do tonight is to thank my, dear, uh, my guest, Dougie. Thanks very much for coming on, Shima, about the, the no shades tonight. But, you know, we move on. Next time, next time we go for a, for a pint in the Edmonton house, I'll rock up my shades on just for aye. you, Craig. Aye, class, I can't wait for it. David, thanks very much for coming on, mate. No bother, mate.
No worries. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And despite it being a bad weekend, I hope you can enjoy next week much better anyway. Bye-bye.